Hello and welcome to episode 202 of the Punter Podcast. I'm Chris Barnett. Today we look at the best of Saturday's racing action from Haydock, York and Goodwood, plus the Irish 2000 Guineas. City AM Racing Editor Bill Esdale previews the best of this weekend race in action with Wally Pyra looking ahead to Sunday's meeting in Hong Kong. So, Bill, it's a really busy Saturday. Saturday's in the news. We'll probably come to that uh, in time when the BHA settled out all of their plans. But a busy Saturday this weekend. Haydock's in there, York, Goodwood, also racing in Ireland at Curra as well. And the sun has been shining for the past few days now. So we kind of know what we're going to get ground-wise, finally. Yeah, proper proper kind of summer ground. Good to firm everywhere, basically. And kind of set that way for the next week or so. So I think the same will apply for Epsom for the uh, Oaks and the Derby. I think we're going to have, or Betfred Oaks and Derby, I should say. Um, I think we're going to have fast watered ground there too. So yeah, it's it's it, at least it's a fair level playing field, and we know what we're dealing with. The Oaks looks like we've got a pretty short price favourite, but the Derby looks really wide open this year, doesn't it? Yeah, they're they're two good races, and I think actually when it comes to the Oaks, I think they will close up a bit um, because I think um, uh, Soul Sister and Save Last Dance are probably too far apart at the moment. I think the money will start to come for Soul Sister, it being Frankie, yeah, and yeah. probably probably the ability to handle decent quick ground with with the unknown on the on the side of the um, Cornwall runner. Um, but yeah, like you say, the Derby is anyone's. I mean, it's very hard to be confident about who's going to win it at, the, at this stage because um, nothing's really stood out in its trial. So, yeah, wide open race. We'll hear from a couple of trainers in next week's episode as we head to the Betfred Derby um, on Saturday, of course. So watch out for that. A couple of clues, maybe, or maybe not. You know, Sometimes trainers put you in the right direction. Sometimes they don't. You can make your own choices from that. We'll let you know who's going to be on next week's show, uh, along with Bill and Wally as well. So let's have a look at this week. We're going to whiz through what is, well, a massive ITV card, really. They're going to keep their cameras ticking over, aren't they? We're going to start at Haydock, and we'll start with the 150, which is a two-mile handicap. Small field here for this one. Carzola, she's been in great form for Rafe Beckett. Got Frankie on board, sure to be a short price favourite for this. She's won three in a row, two on the all-weather at Lingfield over two miles, and then one on the turf on soft going at Doncaster over the extended two miles. But surely that Carzola will be the favourite for this opening race that we're looking at, the 150, Bill. Yeah, she she should be. She, I mean, I expect lots of money to come for Law of the Sea. Um, we're seeing the money already arriving here now Friday morning. Um, painfully unlucky uh, in the Chester Cup last time. If you want to... <laughs> See an unlucky horse. Watch the rerun of that. I mean, ground to stop to a walk three or four times in the race. Uh, and even at the home straight, when you look at the head on, it's the only one on the bridle stuck behind a wall of horses. Finished fourth that day, only a pound higher here. Um, bound to have loads of supporters. And you can see Laura the Sea pushing Carzola for favoritism, I think, come the, come the off. Primarily because Carzola's, you mentioned she's won three on the trot, but she's 22 pounds higher. Yeah. And when that winning sequence started on on ground, that's going to be much quicker. Um, look, she's in great form, and she's got the right man on board in Frankie. But she's just pretty short, and Laura the Sea um, is going to start 
challenging her, I think, because just the price is wrong. All the 7 to 230 has disappeared. Um, and she's, uh, you know, Law of the Sea is shortening up. Uh, in his prime, he was rated up in the hundreds. So he's still probably well in. And yeah, I can see, um, I can see Law, Law of the Sea throwing it, throwing it up to kind of Carzola. Do I want to back either of them? Uh, truth be told, no. Um, I don't want to be with Carzola at the prices primarily because I think conditions are very different and that life's tougher. I don't necessarily want to be with Law of the Sea because, um, my kind of career of punting tells me if you get stuck into a horse that's been incredibly unlucky behind a wall of horses long term, mm. you're going to be in the poor house because normally there's a reason for it. And that's just the niggling concern about Law of the Sea. Um, plus, Ian Williams had an enemy beaten last night. I'm not saying the stable's out of form because they did have a, a winner at Subtle the day before, but just there's an, enough reason for me to take him on. I, I actually thought that the max we can... Mm-hmm. was the bet for me here because the, I know it's now trained by Charlie, but when Mark uh, was training the max we can um, with his son, they, um, whenever he kind of dipped into the nineties and met fast ground <laughs> over two miles, the max we can is very deadly. And this is a small field. It's not a great race. Gets his fast ground dropped now to a mark of 93. That's happened. You got, got to remember that we're talking you know, back at, back in his in his heyday, he was rated up in the hundreds too. So just this time last year, um, he won at the not this time last year, but in the summer he won at the Shergar Cup off a pound higher mark. And I just thought the max we can was overpriced. You can back him at thirteen to two, I think, or a bigger price, I think fifteen to two at the time of write, uh, recording. Uh, three places each way with William Hill. And I thought the max we can. 15 to 2 each way was the way to tackle this race. Look, Law of the Sea, if you can get three or 130, is probably a fair price. But now I'm going to go with the max we can each way at 15 to 2. Okay, 225. It's a mile handicap there coming up. Covey has been in a really good form. Second on his uh, debut, Son of Frankel. Won two since then at Newmarket and Newcastle, both over the seven furlongs for the Goston team. It's a Judmont horse. Frankie's on board. Jincident's going to be in there for Richard Fahey, who won last time out at Musselburgh over the mile, and others in there as well. The 225 bill. Yeah, the Silver Bowl is always a fiercely competitive race for three year olds. You often get some really nice, well handicapped types here that go on to better things. A bit like the London Gold Cup we were talking about at Newbury last weekend. Um, you get some good ones thrown in here on their way to group races. Covey looks the obvious one. He's going to be favourite for the Gosden Satori team. Um, look, he's by, by Franco immaculately bred and has been doing his stuff at a, a lower level. Walked away um, with a um, uh, the Alex Scott maiden, which is always traditionally a very good maiden at Newmarket back in April. Um, won that easy and, th- and then just won an egg and spoon race at Newcastle. He was about 16 to 1 on when he won that day and um, you and I had finished second in a pantomime horse suit in that race. I mean, literally it was as bad as you can get, um, but he did what he had to do. And he, he just, it was like a, a paid exercise gallop. Look, he begins life of a mark of 90. Look, that could be lenient, but it's not look obviously lenient at this point of his career. And, you know, he's going to be over bet because of what he is. He's a short nine to four, two to one, the place that's very short. Look, he'll probably win won't be carrying my money primarily because of the strength of opposition, Jincident, Royal Cape, 
Um, James McHenry, I really liked his attitude last time when he knuckled down to beat one of Clive Co- a filly of Clive Cox's. You know, you can make a case out for plenty. I was going to have a few quid on defence of Fort for Peter Chappelheim, who's a really impressive winner first time up at Ascot um, last year. And then combination of bad ground and just things not going his way. They threw him into the deep end second time up in the Solario stakes. And he looked a bit ungainly on the outside, but I put hopefully put that down to greenness more than anything else. Um, and then got a bump at the wrong time. And he was fourth, wasn't beaten a million miles. Um, behind Silver Knot, who obviously went and ran a, ran a cracker in the Breeders' Cup after that. <laughs> and then they ran him on heavy ground at Newbury to finish off in the Horace Hill. Again, he was out the back early on and just he reared, reared up as the stalls broke, was right out the back and hated the ground. You could tell it just wasn't, it was just a, a run. But hopefully all those three runs would have taught him something and lines up here off a mark of 88. He's a lovely kind of flashy chestnut for those older listeners. He reminds me a lot of, of Rodrigo de Triano. He can have a bit of his ability. He's a kind of flashy chestnut with his tail flashing, four white feet. Um, he's just, he looks a proper racehorse and he'll relish the strong gallop. This will be a question mark as to whether he is the real deal, but I just thought a seven to one each way, I'd rather be with him than Covey and um, hopefully he can run well. At three o'clock, it's one of the feature races there. Six furlongs for the uh, Sandy Lane Stakes, Group 2, with eight runners going to post. Six furlongs a trip, as I say. And it sees the return of little Big Bear, who uh, disappointed, got knocked into, got bumped around in the 2,000 guineas. And Newmarket finished last in the end, beating 24 lengths. And previously won four in a row and was the big thing. We spoke to Aidan, of course, in the press conference before the Guineas, and he was confident that it would uh, probably stay a mile. In the end, we're dropping back to six furlongs, taking on what was a great two-year-old early on in its career, Brad Sewell, won its first two races and looked like a real force to be uh, measured with, having won nine lengths on debut. That's going to be the, a tough opponent. But Little Big Bear, the, the Guineas, how did you see that race? We've got August Rodan going in the derby next week, of course, who finished down the field. They kind of wrote that race off completely. Is it is easy to do that for the O'Brien team? Yeah, I mean, it, it is is the obvious obvious thing to say. We've seen them do it with their sprinters over over the time. Um, they'll always kind of throw one at the Guineas, and then they end up going and winning the July Cup with it, um, or the Commonwealth Cup, or um, wherever they want to go, really. But these um, little big bet was probably. Of the two, the one that was really sl- the door slammed in his face in the guineas, so he lost his stride and everything. I mean, it looked like it could have come down at one point, so you can definitely forgive him that. It's clear to see why he's such a warm ward of this. I, I, I'm not sure everyone thought he was going to run here, even though he held the entry, but he does run here. Um, his price is kind of shortening all the time, all the kind of anything close to two to one is gone. He's the best price seven to four, he's as short as 11 to eight in a place. Is it, probably start nearer that, if not shorter. Um, look, when you go back through his his form as a two-year-old, arguably it's the best two-year-old form out there. Yeah. Um, particularly the last run when he won the Phoenix at the, at the Curra. Um, I was at Ascot for the Shogar Cup that day, and I couldn't believe the way he dismissed Bradsall and Persian Force. Yes, Bradsall had a problem afterwards or whatever, but it was just the way he did it. 
Yeah, he ran away by seven lengths. I mean, it looked like a <laughs> just an absolute world-beater over the six furlong trip. If he returns to that form, he wins this with daylight to spare. Hmm. But, you know, noble-style backers last weekend um, will know that you suddenly switch from a guineas to the sprinting. Everything happens quite quickly. Hmm. And that's just a niggling concern in the back of my mind, whether, whether we can lay up to... The, the best and fastest of these and, and, and stay in contention. If he does, he'll win, but I'd, I'd take him on. Bradsell was much better. He was beaten by Cole Case at Ascot last time, but if you st- stop the race of Furlong out, you'd want to be on Bradsell because he'd open up and he looked like he was going to go in quick and away from them a bit like he did in the Coventry Stakes um, last year. So he seems to be over his problems. That was a really good run bound to take him forward. Will he definitely confirm the form with Cole Case? Maybe on quicker ground, an easier track, he might, he might just do, but wouldn't be totally confident. I thought Colgate is just beginning to put a, a kind of under-the-radar good profile together. And of the three of them, I wouldn't be afraid of um, playing Colgate. I thought it was a good win. Stable continues in good form. Um, you can back him each way at five. You want all eight runners to run just for the kind of each way bet. But I'd be amazed if he's out the three cold case. I think he'll run all the way to the line. He's in good form. I just think he's he's rock solid. Um, and he doesn't have, famous last words, doesn't have the blowout potential of the top two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Little Big Bear and Bradsell. He just seems the, the most solid to, to run his race. And I think he would get my vote. Um, and I wouldn't be against playing some of the outsiders and a forecast against him. Um, Millstream gets in here under the radar. Jane Chapel Hines horse is, you know, she's amongst the winners um, of late. And Matilda Picotti ran a cracker in the guineas. Uh, I wouldn't mind throwing those two in with Cold Case and going for the complete burn-up. But yeah, Cold Case would be the one, but it's, it's a fascinating race. Uh, so too is the 330s, the five furlongs, Betfred, Temple Stakes, the other group two on the card. Uh, and the double-figure field here, 14 at the moment, as we record this, and some two-year-olds from last year that are now three that um, really set the world alight for a while. The Platinum Queen was sold. Midland Park used to own her, now trained by Roger Varian for the first time. She won the Prix de la Bay, of course, as a two-year-old, and then sort of bombed out a little bit at Keeneland at the Breeders' Cup. Dramatised, promised a lot, with his, uh, her early first two races for Carl Burke. Got a second at Keeneland in November. That was a, a pretty good run, only beating a length there. Twilight Calls kind of bombed out a little bit last week after we thought he would do a little bit better at Newmarket in that uh, Palace House stakes. Didn't, didn't really go to plan there. And James Tate always thought Royal Acclaim was going to be a bit of a world beater, having won his first three. There's a, a good few in this race that um, we, we liked as two-year-olds and and some of them, you know, now getting a little bit older, of course. And the Platinum Queen—is she going to maintain what she did last year on for the new ownership? Yeah, it's a it's a funny one, this because you've got four of the first five in the betting being fillies and mares, Platinum Queen, Dramatized, Royal Acclaim, and Happy Romance. Um, so it's like a filly sprint or fillies and mares sprint. Um, like you say, at the top of the market, you've got two three-year-old fillies who've got to prove that they've trained on. And that's always worrying in the back of my mind. Platinum Queen was a superstar last year, obviously a group group one winner, and um, did an amazing job for Midland Park. 
um, won the Abbey and took them to unbelievable places along the way, including um, Goodwood and all sorts. I mean, re- amazing horse. Um, I don't know. Something like she just felt like a two-year-old to me. Uh, you know, they got um, 1.2 million, which is an amazing bit of business for her and obviously the breeding prospect, but yeah, sold, sold to Japan for the Japanese owner for 1.2 million. And look, she's, she's a really smart very fast front running cats review can kind of filly. She has trained on. She's she she will probably win. I thought she was a bit short at the top. Dramatized, looked a well beater last year at the start. Um, emphatic winner of the Queen Mary on just a second start. Didn't really go according to plan at York after that. Over six, but that was probably just a trip thing. And then was much better in Keeneland. In the Breeders' Cup, when when second in the in the turf sprint um, behind Mischief Magic, um, again, she's got to prove she trains on. <coughs> she's this is the right trip, but those two at the top of the market, I don't know. There's something in me that wanted to take them on. I might be wrong. They might fly and finish first and second. <laughs> Twilight calls as an old friend of mine. Um, got you know he's he's it's probably the wrong side of the track on on his reappearance in Newmarket and will run well. Um, look, I, I can see living the dream running well. If mixed horses were running a bit better, I'd like Razzle, um, or Anaf to run well. But the prices, I think I'm going to go with Royal Acclaim, James Tate's filly. Um, she looked a superstar at York, um, when she won the city, city wall state. We put her up that day as our best bet, and she was brilliant. Uh, beat Corker and that lot, and then. Did she fluff her lines a bit behind Highfield Princess? She probably just ran to a, a level. She she wasn't beating a million miles. Platinum Cream was second there behind Highfield Prince. Um, Royal Acclaim was was back in sixth. But you just got to look at the terms of that race. Platinum, Platinum Queen had eight stone two and Royal Acclaim had nine stone ten. Um, that's a hell of a swing at the weights. I mean, you're looking at 22 pounds difference in that when they met in the Nunthorpe. And you know, here, here they are, and they're all there's a three pounds difference. Mm. So I think people have slightly overruled the fact that um, that that our that our friend um, Roller Claim is is the best part of nineteen pounds better off. Um, goes well fresh. James Tate's team are in good form. We'll get a strong pace to be aimed at. <laughs> you know, they'll, they'll go quick up front, living the dream, and the Platinum Queen. Um, that'll help Royal claim. I just thought she was overpriced, 13 to 2 each way. She'll get my vote. Great stuff. Let's go to Goodwood. The 130 is a mile and a quarter. It's the William Hill Festival Stakes Enlisted Company. Seven going to post for this one. John and Thady Gosling's got the unbeaten son of Dubawi. Now, I'm not sure how you pronounce him because it, it could be Francesco Clemente or it could be Francesco Clement. I would go with Clemente, probably, but I don't know. We'll find out maybe on. Saturday. Unbeaten, as I say, three from three in his races so far. James Horton's now allowed to run his horses again. The trainer, a Phantom Flight, now running under the Coverdale stud colours there. PJ McDonald, of course, in the saddle. And Charlie Appleby's got King of Conquest for Godolphin in this one. El Drama is also in this one for Roger Varian, etc. But uh, Gosden's, um, well, they know where, how to place their younger horses and this uh, Francesco Clemente he's a four year old he's done nothing wrong so far 
Yeah, it's done nothing wrong, and they're, and they're rolling the dice a bit um, this weekend. The Costans. I don't think they're leaving much back in the stable at Clarehaven. <laughs> everything's coming out and earning its corn. Um, look, he he's been really impressive, and he walked away with a moderate-looking handicap at um, Newmarket the last time we saw him in in, in the summer back in July um, on fast ground. I'm not sure that accounts for that much. Um, the previous run, Moby Ajero, again, um, heavy odds on what that counts for. I'm, I'm not too sure. Um, but the first run at Newmarket was very good, you know, on the, on the form. But, you know, Secret State, we know how good yeah. um, Secret State turned out to be. You know, Secret State went and won its next four, um, including the competitive Ascot handicap. So that that's the one bit of form that, that, that gives substance to it all. Um, by Jabawi, look, he's 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 been brilliantly placed his whole life to date, and there's no reason to think he hasn't been really well placed again. Um, I was quite keen to try and take him on and find time to take him on. And Phantom Flight's the obvious one, first runner back for James Horton. We should mention that. Um, you know, and we haven't seen um him run since since April, and. Whether whether he's totally wound up, I'm not sure. Um, but he wouldn't be far away in a race like this if fully wound up. King of Qantas, El Drama, they're all much of muchness. There's nothing you'd be totally afraid of. Uh, don't really like tipping favourites, and I probably won't play in the race. And I'm of the opinion that Francesco Clement will win. Um, who will come second? You can, you, you can roll the dice, maybe El Drama. Maybe Phantom Flight, but I think I'd rather be a backer at seven to four than a layer, yeah. uh, and that's probably where I've come down. Okay, one more to look at at Goodwood two hundred five, a seven furlong handicap with a field of thirteen. The Taffery's your favourite here, or likely to be William Haggis in the Shadwell colours, a winner at Yarmouth over six, and a good third behind Scholarship over seven at Newbury. They're on good to soft and soft going, but uh, as run on. Got to firm at Haydock back in September. Bresson goes to the Judmont Collars once again. The Gosdens sending another horse out, another son of Dubawi, who hasn't won since August of last year. Dark 30 goes for Richard Hannon and the others in that field as well. But William Haggis always places his horses brilliantly and, and he's always got winners on the card. So does uh, Taffridge deserve to be favourite if uh, he does go as favourite? I love Shamadal, by the way, as a racehorse, and he's doing pretty well as a sire as well. Yeah, Taffery's obviously needed the run first time up um, behind scholarship. That would have blown the cobwebs away on on softest ground. Probably didn't want it that 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 soft. Um, probably these horses they're just priced up on connections, yeah. so you're automatically two three points shorter than they would be for anyone else, and that automatically kind of puts you off. Um, Taffery is is, is Taffery just bred to be good. Um, probably will be good. Will strip fitter almost certainly isn't an 84 horse, is probably near the 90 plus. So you can see why he's at the top of the market. Problem is, there's another clone just like him in Bresson who's come from another powerful yard, Jabawi, another Gosden horse, another horse leaving Clarehaven. Um, he's got bits and pieces of form that put him right in the middle of this. Um, Good second to Remarque, who obviously came out saw as a who didn't run great in the in the Guineas, but that defeat doesn't look so bad now at Salisbury. So 
that the top two are, are there on credit. You know, nice low draws around Gibber, which is important. So that earns them their spot too. Um, oh, I thought this was was really tough. I, I'd probably come down on Yaukalef, the Paul and Oliver Cole horse, um, who I thought that was a really good win at Newmarket on Guinea's weekend. Um, over on the far side on his own, looked to be in loads of trouble and then just got into the race and finished off really strongly. Um, that was impressive for me off a mark of 86 lines up here, six pounds higher, but I don't think that's enough to really put you off. I think that they're going to go quick here and you're going to need a bit of luck, but yeah, Cliff's got a bit of form around here. Um, actually ran in the, I was there that day. Well, glorious Gibber when, when Yalcliffe was third. Um, that was a good run. Proves he can handle the track, come off a strong pace, um, played late. Yeah, I quite like him. I think at seven to one, he's a fair each way shout and he'll go well. And then at 240, five furlongs for a handicap with 14 runners. Corker ran nine days ago, was second behind regional at the York Dante meeting in that handicap. Um, was only beaten half a length, maybe a bit unlucky. In the end, Bedford Flyer now with Mick Appleby is in this race as well, having finished third in that race. So they match up again. Chipstead was in the Vadreen race at Newmarket on the 6th of May for Roger Teal. Finished down the field, though. They always hold or have held him in high regard, but um, he, he did win a couple. But his last couple of races were a bit disappointing. And Mondamage, when he runs, he just seems to run it every other week. He ran few times in July, a couple of times in August, run already in April and in May for Anthony Britton. This horse uh, doing its training on the track, isn't he? What, what did you see the 240? Yeah, tr- tricky. I mean, all eyes are kind of drawn to Corker, um, who looked like he was coming there to win the race here last time. And, um, yeah, just was beaten by by regional, but looked like he had the race won and, and um, kept on really well. He's a horse who misses the break, um, which is always your niggling worry here. So he's got a break on terms. He's up to 103, top weight, but you kind of fear that he's he's heading into listed and group races, Corker. And, you know, King of Stars came up against him a few times last year. And he was always one I naturally feared. Um, and I was desperate for him. It sounds awful, this, but I was desperate for him to miss the break. <laughs> Whenever we raced him, I was watching. And, I, and rather than watching King of Stars, I was watching his stall because I wanted him to miss the pop right. because I know how good he can be. And look, when things click, he's really good. And it just looked like things were beginning to click last time. So the problem is, is that everyone can see that. It's not just some hmm. clever thing that I've unearthed. And that's why he's at the top of the market. He's a kind of seven to two best price. Um, Bev flies with Mick. I, you know, I said, like, see their horses running a bit better. Um, Fine Wine's got some great course form, but he's up into the hundreds now, and that makes life a bit tough for Fine Wine. Blisteringly quick. Um, old boy Copper Knight looks, uh, look, you know, is, is lurking on a dangerous mark, as is Zarzini. But look, the more I look at this race, I keep coming back to Corker, just because I think he might be a group listed sprinter lurking amongst these and. Um, the fact that um, Pierre-Louis Chaman takes three pounds off, he's actually running off 100, which is the same mark he ran off last time. And, yeah, I think he's going to be really hard to beat for Carl Burke, and I go with Corker. They race at the Curra on Saturday as well. It's the mile 
Tattersall to Irish 2,000 guineas. It's the Group 1 with 11 going to post and taking some of the top jockeys over there for the day. Jamie Spencer, Hashim Murphy, Ryan Moore are all going to be over there riding in, in this race. And it brings in the form from the English 2,000 guineas that was held at Newmarket on the 6th of May. Royal Scotsman, who finished third in that race, is in once again High Royal, who was 125 to 1 for Kevin Ryan on that occasion, and finished second, is also in the race with Asheen back on board. We've also got uh, another one a bit further down. Uh, Galleron was fourth, and uh, he's in the race too. We see the return, hopefully this weekend, of Paddington. Could have gone out last weekend, but didn't. Aidan O'Brien's got Ryan on board Paddington. They've also got Proud and Regal in there. Uh, that's for Donica O'Brien with Gavin Ryan in the saddle. Cairo's in the race as well. We mentioned Galleron and others in there as well. But um, I, I know the Coles have always thought Roll Scotsman's going to be top class, but he hasn't won since July last year at Goodwill when he won the Group 2 Richmond Stakes. And he was behind High Royal in the Guineas. So why is there such a differential in the betting, do you think? Yeah, I don't know. I think I think he's he's. Well, the first point is that High Royal went off one hundred and twenty-five to one or whatever he went off. So, uh, I suppose bookmakers and a few plenty think that that might be a bit of a fluke. I don't. I think he was. I think he's very very classy and he seemed a bit green and all over the shop in the guineas, but it was still a hell of a run. Mm. Um, everyone expected as they came down to the dip him to just drop away like a stone through water, but he didn't. He kind of hung in there. Um, Royal Scotsman's got the form. I think people felt, I suppose, Ollie Cole's reaction when he was so disappointed after the race. I think people felt that, um, he was probably the unlucky one as to where he was drawn. Would he, would he have beaten Chaldine or probably not? But he got close to him and twice and got very close to him in the Dewhurst. He brings very strong form to the party. I wouldn't want to take too short a price about him because, look, it's not the best. Irish 2000 guineas, particularly with High Royal and Royal Scotsman right at the, at the forefront of the betting. Yeah. Um, look, I, I'd probably be tempted to take the pair of them on. Um, if this was a Ryder Cup two ball match bet, <laughs> I'd rather be with Paddington and Prowl Regal than I would High Royal Scotsman and High Royal. I know that sounds famous last words, but um, Paddington, um, Aidan O'Brien started to hit good form now. His, he was definitely slow to hand as he sometimes can be in the guineas um but in the last last few days or week or so he's just hit top gear in the last seven eight days you look at his recent form of time of recording um one 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 two you know that's that's hitting the bullseye and his his stable is just hitting top gear Paddington is a horse i thought was going to go to the french guineas they went here instead um, they're watering heavily, which won't won't bother him. But look, he won back end of last year. He won a maiden by miles, and then he came out at Nace, um, won a decent handicap very easily. Um, that that premier handicap um, that good horses have won in the past. I think Kevin Prendergast's horse won it um, before winning here, and then went on and um, won the Tetrarch. We listed there. He's just getting better and better. And sometimes we see every year one of Aiden's or his best 
three-year-old isn't the one we think. And we saw a bit with some Mark's Basilica, and this horse reminds me a bit of him being by Suyuni. I thought Paddington was the most likely winner. I thought nine to two fives, him was generous. I'd far rather be with him than the top two. Um, and also Proud and Regal, who looked a non-stayer last time in the trial. Um, he's seven to one in places. I thought the pair of them, you could back them at fives and sevens. I think you got a great bet because I think they could both hit the frame and one of them will win. Um, but yeah, that's the way I play the Irish guineas. Let's have a look at Sunday's meeting in Hong Kong, Shouting Racecourse. It's an 11 race card this weekend, starting at 5.30 UK time. Wally Pyra, he joins us once again to take us through the card. And Wally, there's a Group 1 coming up at 5 past 9 over what is an extended trip for Hong Kong, a mile and a half. Yeah, you're right. It's uh, very, very unusual. You don't get too many mile and a half races in Hong Kong. It's the final group one of the season in the territory. It's the Standard Charter Champions and Chater Cup. It's got prize money of £1.2 million, so it's obviously worth a few dollars to the winner. Two previous winners in the race, notably Russian Emperor, who's been globe-trotting round uh, Dubai and uh, uh, Doha this season. He's back to try and win it for the second time. And uh, Panfield, who's been very, very disappointing since he actually won this race in 2021. But there we go. You've also got um, the new kid on the block, um, Straight Aaron, who won the Queen More, uh, Queen Mother uh, mile and a half race a few weeks, uh, a couple of weeks back. He's in the race, but of course, it's all about Romantic Warrior. Now, Romantic Warrior, obviously, he's the fifth best horse in the world, according to the official Longines Best Race Horses. His most notable triumphs have been this season, have been uh, uh, the... Hong Kong Cup over 10 furlongs in December. And then he won the QE2 um, race for the second time um, last month. So all in all, his form is very, very good. There is one big problem is that he steps up to, as we say, up to 12 furlongs for the first time. His breeding doesn't scream stamina, doesn't scream stayer at all. He's by sprinter acclamation, although there is a bit of staying blood in the dam side. There is the question mark about it, but James MacDonald, who's ridden him on a couple of occasions, um, stays in Australia, and it's now Purton's chance for the first time to get on the horse and do the steering for the first time. Purton is the best judge of pace, certainly in Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. So if the horse will stay 12 furlongs, he will be him. Frankly, it would be very, very disappointing if he gets beat. I have to say that because he's so far in front of his rivals in this race. I mean, you've got the normal or the usual suspects lining up again, like Senor Toba, Money Catcher, Columbus County, 5G Patch. I mean, I followed that horse over the cliff <laughs> and he still hasn't won, so I, I just give up. Um so all in all, it will be very it will be very disappointing if Romantic Warrior doesn't win. But obviously the odds 
are yeah. going to be very prohibitive. But still, yeah. it's a spectacle to watch. Okay. Now, earlier on the card, I mean, this obviously that race takes pride and place um, from the 11 races. But earlier on the card, the seven o'clock, there's a five furlong dash. And the reason I mention it is because we've got this horse called We Are Hero. I mean, he's won four of his last five races this season. He's gone up a staggering £40 in the ratings. Um, he's renowned for this sort of turbocharged late dash where he sky sides through the field with Bowman on it. He's well worth watching. I mean, his opposition includes our normal speedsters in the territory, Nervous Witness, Ping-Eye Galaxy, Wids Kid, Carroll Street. It's a, He looks a good race on paper, but he's another one that it would be very, very disappointing and indeed a bit of a shock if he doesn't win. But a great spectacle to watch. Mm -hmm. Now, from betting propositions, uh, it's quite a tough card. As per normal, there's always competitive handicaps. I looked at race six, which is the eight, eight o'clock, the California memory handicap over seven furlongs. Listen to this. Purton climbs aboard a horse, the Manfred Mann top weight, called Circuit Mighty. He's only ridden this horse twice, who's had a 19-race career. The mm -hmm. horse has only won twice, and Purton's been aboard it both times. The five-year-old, after a couple of bad runs, drops down into class four again, and this is where he's won both his racing, and he's racing off his last winning mark. So those those points scream yeah. another winner for the champion jockey. But I just a word of warning about this horse. He is unpredictable. He is frustrating. He's obviously talented, but you wouldn't want to put your last dollar on him. <laughs> um, I'm I'm interested a little bit. Un, uh, interested in a horse right at the bottom of the handicap, a horse called Young Horizon, who won three weeks ago as his first win. It was on rain-sodden ground, but he left these rivals chasing shadows and went past the post with his ears pricked and won by about five lengths. Yes, he's up in class and he goes up in the handicap. He's got a penalty. But this time, he's racing off a weight which is like 20 pounds. Well, not 20 pounds, 11 pounds less than he last carried. He gets 20 pounds from the probable favourite circuit mighty. If he if he if he improves as well as he did last time and goes okay on better ground than he encountered on that soft surface three weeks ago, I think he's got a pretty strong chance. But all in all, if you're the professional punter, you're going to play with circuit mighty. If you're one of these Gus the guessers like me, then maybe <laughs> then maybe Young Horizon would be the horse. And finally, I've got a point to say with Purton. I mention Purton all the time. I mean, the guy's had 138 winners. He's chasing Marrera's record of 170. But with 15 meetings to go, he's now needs a bit of a, a rocket. He needs a rocket booster to get him up. So, uh, But he's, he's booked for all uh, 11 races. Hopefully, he'll get a few winners. He takes over from poor old Matthew Poon, 
who was unfortunately got caught wide on this horse last time out. A horse called Supreme Lucky. He's drawn the short straw again. This horse has won three of his five races, but he just gets double-figure draws every time he races. He always has to work hard, and yet again, he's got another bad draw of 11. Um, Pert will probably have to take him at the back of the field and just hope and pray for luck. But he's a very good horse if he gets it. However, I am interested in a horse there who gets eight pounds from him, the once race Casper Founds uh, dancing code, who ran first up, got beat by a horse called Pleasant Endeavour over the five furlong dash. Pleasant Endeavour is a pretty consistent, good sprinter in Hong Kong. Um, he subsequently trialled very well over the straight five furlongs. He's bred to get the trip. He has had one or two problems, uh, health issues he's had this season. And last and after his race last time, he got a fever. But he worked very well recently. And as I say, getting £8 and a good draw to, as a bonus, he's definitely got a chance. So all in all, a good, good afternoon's racing. Won't be easy again for anybody who wants to have a flutter, but certainly worth watching. Thanks, Wally. We look forward to that Sunday morning. You can watch it on Sky Sports Racing very early on Sunday with that Group 1 a little bit later in the morning. Well, that's all from us for today. We'll be back again next week. Of course, it's the Oaks and the Derby coming up next weekend. We'll have special guests on the podcast joining Bill Esdale and Wally Pyra, who'll be looking at the Hong Kong card again. And there'll be loads of previews for the weekend racing in the UK and in Hong Kong as well. So please make sure that you join us then for episode 203. Don't forget to visit the City AM website for all the latest news and horse racing tips and follow the podcast on Apple Tunes, Spotify, Amazon Music or Stitcher to get the latest episodes as soon as they're released. 